Welcome to the new Cat Chat, brought to you by Dr. Elsie's, the wonderful private company owned by Dr. Elsie, whose mission is to formulate litters to keep cats in their loving homes with his proven veterinarian-formulated litter box solutions for the health of all members of the family. I'm Tracy Hotchner, the author of The Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know, and my mission has always been to entertain, educate, and inspire cat lovers to offer their kitty cats the best possible life in nutrition, affection, and environmental enrichment. With Dr. Elsie's support, Cat Chat brings you interviews with cat authors and experts, some old favorites, some new conversations, so you can better understand and appreciate your feline family members. Sit back and enjoy. I am delighted to meet and have a long conversation with, the beginning of several, I hope, Dr. Megan Heron. She is one of the co-editors of a new book called Decoding Your Cat. The ultimate experts explain common cat behaviors and reveal how to prevent or change unwanted ones. It's a long subtitle, but it's kind of essential to the whole topic of living with and being owned by ha, ha, a cat, but it really is important that these doctors, of whom there used to be 54, and now according to this book, there's now a 100 of them, that have this very special additional education in animal behavior. It's great to have you here, Dr. Heron, and an extraordinary job with this book. I learned so much, and I thought I knew quite a lot. I didn't think I knew everything, but every single page taught me something new. So I'm, I'm guessing you're super proud of being part of this book. Oh, it's great to be here, and thank you for your kind words. We are extremely proud of this book. It has been years in the making, and it's just come out better than expected even. One of the one of your mentors and a co-editor is Carlos Siracusa at University of Pennsylvania, who I've, I've talked with over the years on Cat Chat and on Dog Talk, and a true Italian, his accent is, is rich and deep and <laughs> mellifluous and... He's someone who is part, was he part of your inspired love of cats? It seems like from the forward, you've always been a, a major cat lover. I, I have been, and, and he's always been my, I guess, cat buddy. We did residency together at University of Pennsylvania, and I always relied on him as a, a true cat expert. I mean, he has loved cats, had cats, been a cat breeder, cat expert. I mean, he is, you want to know about cats, you ask him. He's your guy. He is my guy. I'm just a sidekick. Yes. And, he's, and you're lucky to also have him as a sidekick. He was my guy as one of many very brilliant people that I read about or interviewed when I wrote the Cat Bible. But I think what's different about decoding your cat, at least for me, is that it goes well beyond the, oh, I've always had cats. Oh, I've bred them. Oh, I've loved them. Oh, I've solved problems with them. Hey, I'm even a doctor who does this for a living, solves serious cat problems. Because this book, besides making it very clear how much, line by line, every cat is a complete individual, how much has been studied, Megan? And that's really interesting because each of these chapters has been written by one or two veterinarians who have a number of letters after their name. All of them are DACVB, meaning they've gotten this, as you have, this most particular behavioral training. But a lot of the conclusions, although they sound when you first start to read it, and the book's very accessible, it isn't a footnotey sort of book, it shows why you should only pat your cat on the head and neck. There's proof in studies that they really don't like their hind end stroked so much, and the body, the front, 
Maybe, but just stick to the head and neck for now. Did it surprise you in making the choices of the the chapters and the people who wrote them, how much had been studied, things that we all who love cats had sort of learned by personal experience or common sense? Oh, I, I don't think it was a surprise at all. I think all of us who are diplomats of the American College of Veterinary Behaviorists have just our whole career and academic training has been this. And so it was just more of a, all of us jumping, I mean, literally fighting <laughs> to get the chapter. Um, there was so much interest in being a part of this book. Everyone wants to share the science behind all of our advice. Like, as you say, there are a number of books. There's a number of um, guidebooks, resources out yes. there. But the science to substantiate what you are saying is often lacking. And it may still be have science behind it, but there's no indication about it. Where We really want to give credit to the scientists who did the primary work. And so it's an opportunity to showcase all of this fun knowledge we have gained through our training and then also give credit to those who've done the research and, and substantiated everything that we're saying. Which, to a, which, is, which is within the field and within the profession valiant and correct. But to an average cat owner, I think what the extra value of this book is, is that rather than just say, well, this is what we've learned, it's how a study was done. And it's, again, not super technical, but it just mentions in watching X number of cats in X number of situations, here's some conclusions that we came to. And I think it gives more weight even to things that that ardent lifelong cat lovers have believed and known, but they weren't sure. Am I right about this? Or was that just, you know, Fifi and not Georgie that that was true of? So I think that by showing what the studies were and how they came about, it encourages people that already know something to believe what they know if it's right or to, or to change their, their views about multi-cat households or whether or not you need vertical spaces for a cat. Don't you think that it gives more weight to it for the average person who wants so much to give their cat a good life and a good home, but often here talks to other cat people or maybe has a vet who isn't really behavior oriented and so doubts their own dedication to making the best possible life for the cat? Yeah, Tracy, that's a great point. I hadn't thought about that. It, it, we aren't just giving credit to the researchers, but we, it just, I think, naturally flows that we talk about how each researcher came to these conclusions, and it does give them more credit, and people can relate to it. These aren't just, you know, hundreds of cats sitting in a laboratory being tested. This is people observing cats in real-life interactions and still being able to study that in a very rigorous manner that is scientifically found. That's a great point. I hadn't thought of it that way, but well, you're right. But, you know, I try to look at it from the consumer point of view. You guys are the mm -hmm. providers. You provide information, education. You're the 911, the behaviorist, for when things go really wrong and a cat absolutely is biting people, biting other cats, won't use the litter box, scratching everywhere. And people think, well, what did I do? Get a lemon? Have I just got like a dud <laughs> cat? And this book helps you understand... All the ways in which you were a dud provider, you, the loving owner, who just didn't know any better. You know, you thought, well, what the heck? You told me one litter box per cat. Why can't I have all three of them in the crowded laundry room? Yeah, this explains <laughs> why each cat needs. I'd actually never heard the phrase a coded area for a cat, which, which one of the chapters talks about. Is that well known within your field? 
the idea of a particular zone in a house with multi-cats or even with children and canines that is that cat's sort of sanctuary, even if it's not enormous? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've, we've all been advocating for safe, whether you call it a safe haven, a safe place, a core area, but a place that provides for all of the individual and specific needs for cats that they can have these needs met without having to vie for it yes. by competing with other cats in the household or by having to jump through um, an obstacle course to get past the dog, around the kids yes. chasing you, yes. over a baby gate, right? It's, it needs, it's easy access to a haven, right? And in a multi-cat household, one of the biggest sources of social tension, which then leads to fighting, which then leads to urine marking, um, is going to be competition for resources between other cats. And and it, I, I've talked to so many clients over the years who just had no idea you couldn't just have one big food bowl and one water yes. bowl and one litter box. Yes. Why can't they share? And, and I, on the other hand, who, get along. yeah, and I, on the other hand, who've been saying to people forever, you've got to have one litter box per cat and then optimally one extra for the house, like some big old dinner party where there's the mashed potatoes and the green beans, but make sure you have like an extra dish of what have you. Um, people hear that and I heard it and I became kind of not numb to it, but a little bit, oh, come on, people, you know that you got to have one litter box per cat, but this book, Decoding Your Cat, explains on so many levels, intellectually for the cat, emotionally for the cat, physically for the cat, why some of these rules, they should be human rules, what we should do, have great validity. It isn't just, ah, come on, it'll be nicer for the cat. Come on, people, get another get another box, put some more litter in it, be kind to your cat. It's more like recognize these primal, prim- primitive basic needs of a cat, of which there are so many. And the book does such a great job of of highlighting them in a friendly way. I mean, it, it never is scolding. I, on the hand, other hand, am scolding people all the time on the air. Scold, scold. <laughs> but you guys are great because I guess you have so many humans come to you at the end of their tether or wit's end or what have you. And you want to not make them feel shamed or inadequate. You just want to make sure they and their cat can have a better life. I, I guess, would you say that diplomacy is an important part of being a behaviorist? Well, well sure. But I mean, as we discussed in, you know, chapter six, unlocking the feline mind and how cats learn, right? Being punitive yes. does not yes. only get you so far, right? It's yes. reinforcing what you desire from mm-hmm. not just your feline friends, but your, your caretakers of, of those cats. And providing examples and giving them real replacement behaviors or real replacement activities they can do rather than just saying, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Here's what you can do. Here's how you do it well. And great job for what you've accomplished so far. Right? Isn't that what we're saying to our cats? Yes. And that also, theory is yes, just the same in people. <laughs> yes. And if the, someone's willing to look for a behaviorist of which there really did used to be when I first interviewed Karen Sueda and Carlos Siracusa, I don't know, 10 years ago, there were either 54 or 56 behaviors in the entire United States, only one in New York City. And now you're up yeah. to 100. So that's a hundred doctors who went through veterinary school and often some other subspecialty and then added on extra training, extra time, extra devotion and their own money and energy to being a behaviorist. I guess that that speaks very well of the cat owning population because if there weren't a lot of humans requiring you, then am I right? You, there wouldn't, there wouldn't have been a need for more of you, even though you were already stretched thin. Yeah, right. And there is, I mean, there can be so much more behavior is 
the number one reason, both for dogs and cats, that yep. they are losing their homes and often losing their lives. Um, so, so definitely we are in demand. Um, and it's, it's great that so many people are actually seeking. I think it's just a, we're, we're different, um, you know, cat caring population than we were 20, 30 years ago, right? It's, these are family members. These are beings we care about. We want to seek much like we would our own child, uh, mental health and behavioral help so that we can live in harmony and that they can have the best well-being possible, both physically and emotionally. Well said. Well, in the la- I wouldn't even say 20 years. I'd say in the last five to 10 years. I mean, even if you <laughs> okay. look at human children, right. I mean, when did anyone ever mm-hmm. talk about an autism scale or whatever the the newfangled words even are for that? It, it's not even right. considered a scale. It's considered a spectrum. And even that word is, is. But, you know, when I was growing up, kids were considered just the the, the, the bad kid. The kid they booted mm-hmm. out of school or the kid that had to sit in the naughty chair all the time, not literal naughty chair, but, you know, virtual. Yeah. And now, of course, mm-hmm. there's all this support for them. Same thing with cats. You know, people would think, well, this cat just can't be a house cat. Out you go. And that cat just needed right. the, the house to, right. uh, to respect it, <laughs> the house and the humans mm-hmm. that were setting it up. I'm just going to say the titles of some of the chapters because those of you who are cat lovers, which I know are many, and those of you which are, are neutral or heavily dog lovers, I still would say that this book is riveting because it just, I think, hones your own instincts and and realizations and recognitions of the importance of respecting this other species. And Dr. Heron and I are going to do a number of episodes of the new Cat Chat and we're going to do at least one episode per chapter. So if we have whetted your appetite, which I hope we have for decoding your cat, it, you could follow along with us on Cat Chat week by week as we talk about, and I also question some of the things, both because I may disagree based on what I've learned, or I just am amazed and want to learn more. And I think that will be true of everyone else too. So the first chapter is the language of meow. Then there's Welcoming Your New Best Friend, The Feline Dream Home, Social Butterflies, Living with Multiple Cats, Unlocking the Feline Mind, Do Cats Mean to be Mean, My House is Not Your Toilet, I'm a Scaredy Cat, Oral Obsessions, I Know It's Normal, But How Do I Make It Stop, The Cat Outside, So Close But So Scared, and Growing Old with Grace. And every single chapter has been written by either one or two veterinarians with lots of letters after the names. You've got some that have got a PhD thrown in. You are an incredible bunch of people. Can I just say that, Megan? I mean, yeah. overachieving is really irrelevant. It's more like just an appetite for knowledge, an appetite for learning, an appetite to hold yourself to the highest level of knowledge in really pushing the boundaries of knowledge where cats are concerned. I'm in awe because so many of you are quite young. You must have started, you know, those kids who went to college at 14. I don't know how you do all this and you're all practicing vets for most of you. Great. Well, I appreciate that. And I will say that we did have some conversations with the publisher over some of our letters being too long and taking up too much space. <laughs> <laughs> and asking, well, can we just abbreviate there, Do we need all these letters? And we said, oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Every single one of these authors earned each and every one of those letters. So they're, they're going to be there. So it may take up an extra 
mine on the page, but I, I feel the credit is, is worth it. Very much so. And and yet everyone's very human and accessible in their writing and in their thinking. But it does, I, I think it it encourages anyone who, who worries about our cats being properly understood and respected and, and encouraged to be part of human existence to know that there are some very serious minds that are studying and supporting the idea of cats living with us, but us also understanding what makes them tick. I'm really looking forward to spending lots of time with you on Cat Chat, breaking down decoding your cat. The ultimate experts explain common cat behaviors and reveal how to prevent or change unwanted ones. Tune in to Cat Chat, folks. You'll see it every single week on the e-newsletter. If you haven't signed up, write to me at radiopetlady at gmail.com. And you will get it right into your email box. Dr. Megan Heron, thank you personally for all you've done to bring this book to fruition. It really is a gem, and it's going to be on a quick, easy dial for me on my bookshelf. Too many great ideas to, to even lend the book to anybody ever. Take care and congratulations. Oh, I appreciate the opportunity to talk all about it. Thanks. Thank you for listening. I hope this conversation has deepened your understanding and affection for cats everywhere. It's been brought to you by Dr. Elsie's, which has broken new ground by creating a healthy, dry, and canned food for kitties called Clean Protein, which is inspired by the protein levels found in a cat's natural prey, so your cat's appetite is satisfied longer without compromising her health. This is the first dry cat food I believe can be a healthy choice if you want to feed dry cat food to your cat, even as part of her diet although I recommend that canned food should always be your cat's primary diet. Feel free to reach out to me with questions or comments to radiopetlady at gmail.com. Talk soon.